Welcome back to the Man Cave Caucus podcast, episode six, part two. And to continue in our preparation for getting into the Christmas spirit, we resume with the worst half of the worst rendition of all time of Oh Holy Night. We apologize for any discomfort this may cause you, but it's not nearly as painful as hearing a leftist try to explain the definition of a woman. But here you go. You're welcome. And we're back from the break. I, uh, I need a break. Still in the Christmas spirit? How could you get out of the Christmas spirit with the greatest Christmas song ever written? The worst song ever sung. Playing. The only person I have ever heard sing at this exact level is my beloved cousin, John Castleberry. He's got a voice like Helen This is Keller. enough to scar you for at least until next Christmas. Mm. I dug a little into the history of this particular recording, and Guy Pinrod was actually the person who was supposed to sing, who did end up singing over this soundtrack at a mega church. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a wild story because the guy who composed. I don't. I, he didn't come. He was he was the director, but he went. He went and did a sound check, and they asked him if he could hit the notes that Guy Penrod hit, and this is what was the what came of it. This was the uh, result. And I would. I'm going to save you all some time if you want to look into this for yourself. You can, but this guy was so incensed. <laughs> That someone, so many people have taken the credit for this recording. He went and did a nine-minute explanation with proof to prove that it was in fact him, and he was robbed of the blessing of this song being contributed to his name. Wow. So there's two types of people, and I probably fall into his camp, but... Someone who wants to own that versus somebody who wants to sweep that thing something's bad right wrong. under the rug. And I mean I I've I've owned a few moments that as I mature, I wish I could unown. So but we're back to um, we were we came back we from the break about? and we were talking about the article written about you. Oh yeah, we the, got a little the full outrage of the left with the Christmas spirit. Yeah, so uh, I think I sent this to you this week. I found this article. I'm not going to mention who wrote it. It is a self-described activist, and I used very demonstrative uh, air quotes. When I said that. Violent air quotes. She's obsessed with me, it seems, in uh, some of the things she has said on social media. So 
I'll just read you a little bit of this article, Tim, just for just refresh kicks that and grins. Boy. So she shares a picture. This is the the opening picture of this article is a picture of me. Um, that so I was invited by some veterans to a company that their their main bread and butter is they sell machine guns. They buy, sell, and trade machine guns. What did you misappropriate this time, Ben? Yeah. So. Um, they invited me to come in and tour their business, and so I did that, which I, I was all in, right? Like, <laughs> let's talk about guns. And they're like, and we can, after we tour, then we can shoot some guns, some fully auto stuff or whatever. It's and like, I was like, you want to come shoot machine don't guns? Don't threaten me like, with a good time. Yeah. And so the guy that did this also has a podcast, by the way, and and he wanted me to come on his podcast, and so we did that as well, and he took some pictures. He's a photographer. So they wanted to use this, like, with their company and, and different things. So they set up some pictures that we did while we were shooting those machine guns. So I'm standing there with a saw with a box, belt-fed mm. uh, box of ammo, and I have a vest on. It's got an American flag on it, as you can see, like in this oh. this uh, article. So I shared yeah, this picture that's... on Twitter, and it went viral, went crazy. People were sharing it, you know, talking about how uh, how much of a. Uh, I mean, that is problematic testosterone in that picture. Well, that's picture. yeah, problematic know, in their view that I'm a uh, toxic male who is appropriating as a military officer or whatever because I'm holding up this gun, which is just hilarious. And this is veterans that invited right. me to this. So um, here, here's how she starts off the article. The man pictured is Missouri Representative Ben Baker. He tweeted this photo during the Chinese spy balloon event. So remember when the Chinese spy balloon went over? That I shared a- this picture in jest, and I, of course, and I said... Somebody said there was a Chinese spy balloon floating by, and I just shared this picture of me in this gun. Yeah. And, you know, I uh, mean, of course, God forbid you have a sense of humor. Right. Because that was a really not, serious that's situation. That's not allowable. It's not allowable. They definitely weren't trying to brush that under the rug. So she said, when I, when I saw this tweet, my first thought was cosplay compensation, which they also have this weird obsession with mentioning many, many times. But I, she said, I realize this photo is emblematic of the extremism and overly masculine characteristics many GOP lawmakers, especially male lawmakers, feel they have to emanate, dot, 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 exude. Oh, my goodness. By looking at this photo, you may assume Baker is a former Marine or even police officer. Nope. He's a lay preacher. And his transformation over the last few years has been remarkable. And she goes talking about my background because, uh, you know, with my background, I was involved in a lot of ministry and taught at a Bible school and all of that in the past. She said, pictured above is the Ben Baker who ran and she shared a picture of me before I had a beard. Pictured above is the Ben Baker who ran and won in 2018. He's virtually unrecognizable today. Beards throw people off. He has assumed a character much different than the mild-mannered missionary and preacher. He is now the embodiment of toxic partisan politics. And this is my favorite part, Tim. 
she said, and John Wayne syndrome. I just wish the world would get John Wayne syndrome. Can we duplicate this? Can men get John (laughs) Wayne syndrome again? Can it be passed on? Can we put this in pill form? And she said, it's harming the most vulnerable in Missouri. Ben has progressively written legislation with the help of Bill Mills, like ALEC, American Legislative Exchange Council. Just pumping them out. Which is factually absolutely incorrect. That is more extreme by the year. He has used his religion to oppose abortion care. Not true. He has attacked trans kids with his bills. Not true. I've tried to protect you kids. You have tried to advocate for them, so she that's said a problem. He wrote legislation to place Bible studies in public schools. Absolutely false. This is like Gavin Newsom's list of facts. He has been consistent in his attacks on teachers and schools. Absolutely false. And has decried CRT and leftism in Missouri schools, which is true. I have said that critical race theory is a problem and God forbid the dissemination of that in our public schools should not be allowed. She said it's dangerous rhetoric though and laughable to say that CRT is a problem because you know I guess obviously she's the uh, the authority. She probably made it into college so it's not a problem for her. <laughs> well here's here's the rub. She's a former school teacher. Mm. I, but with all she said, but with all of the extremism and every facet of the character Rep Baker has assumed, the most dangerous is obvious. His worship name, of guns. I thought it was going to say, "My name is Karen." <laughs> <laughs> it, sorry, I should. I just need to listen. You're his, the read. You're reading his worship of guns, <laughs> and I'm quoting: "His own Bible would tell him this idolatry is sinful." But, but he, along with many other evangelicals I know personally, have given up the literal reading of their text to fall on their knees and praise the heavens for ARs and other similar rifles. John Wayne syndrome, she says. And she goes into a bunch of made-up statistics I... about guns. I gotta, I just gotta, I'm afraid that I'm going to, if, if she looks into actual, like if she's actually looking for, for a sketchy dude and she decides, I mean, I've had such a peaceful existence on Facebook. I just need to distance myself from this John Wayne syndrome. I, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I thought, I think I got it. You got it now? I got it. <laughs> she said, uh, Representative Ben Baker, along with his colleagues in the Missouri GOP, plans to absolutely, plans to do absolutely nothing about gun violence in our state. False. And he even introduced a bill to allow hidden loaded guns in places of worship. Mm. Isn't that funny? How I that's think worded? that's called, uh, I'm, I believe... That would be a conceal uh, conceal and carry permit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Which means extra training. So anyway, I'll end it there. But that was the article that I I found. And then she ends it with, I can't win against the extremism of Ben Baker if we don't compete. 
So she's talking about, you know, races that go unopposed in the state of Missouri. So, whoa there. (laughs) Take it easy, Pilgrim. Hey, what's your favorite John Wayne movie, by the way? You know, I think True Grit or McClintock. McClintock is my favorite. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this. True Grit, Jeff Daniels took and blew that thing out of the park. But a great movie. John Wayne didn't do half bad. But uh, I realized that I may not have John Wayne syndrome because he said to talk low and to talk slow and don't say too much. (laughs) So you'll know. Obviously. You'll know if I get it. But you're kind of a talker too. So maybe now I'm wondering, maybe we don't have it. Maybe we need to get it. (laughs) We do. Dad gum. Pilgrim. <laughs> hey, you should start everything with pilgrims. <laughs> Address your constituents as pilgrims. Should I appropriate the, the John Wayne syndrome? Well, wait. I think a few Wait, others... I have to have permission. Well, I just so happen to be pilgrim. I'm that white. Wow. Uh, we actually found out through a uh, through a survey that the Holden brothers came over on wow. the dadgum Mayflower. <laughs> no lie. You can't make it up. I mean, I do have I do have some red skin in my blood, too, mm-hmm. uh, about 16%. So Wow. But... I have like 1% oh, Native American. I'm more Indian than you. I, I'm more... I'll tell you this. You're more Indian than uh, War, Elizabeth uh, Warren. Warren. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. Man, I came up Most with that people are pretty quick. Well... You know, if you've been around America for, if you're... Pocahontas. Focahontas. Focahontas. Anyways, so I am Pilgrim. I'm going to go ahead and give you permission if you want to start some... Oh, yeah. Start a I tweet. could ask you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll write something So anything up. to do with um, Native American... My, I have a Pilgrim in my I'll blood. I'll ask you permission. It's, uh, it's a tough, tough road I guess my 1% is not enough to... Uh, you might check Give how much pilgrim you are, because I mean, you could have some pilgrim in you too, and you wouldn't have to ask me for. I mean, I would rather not write the letter to appropriate <laughs> help you appropriate, but I'll do it. I mean, I'm not a writer, but I bet I could get. What about? Here's a problem. What if the AI starts oh. writing appropriation letters for people, yes. and it just runs amok? Because AI be. is the collective voice. It is. Dad, we found a loophole in that lady's article. I wonder if you ask permission of ChatGPT. We should do it. Uh, it's going to take me a minute. I'm I'm a little slow on the uh, tech. Would it the tech would devices? Would it give permission, or would it say that's outside their? Uh, I want to read what expertise. it does say because it's not going to give permission. <laughs> I promise that. I can't get it to do anything for me. <laughs> Let's just assume but, you were the kid going to the football game. And you wanted to make sure you had permission to wear the headdress and the face paint. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Chat GPT because I'm not a cool kid. I don't have uh, quant. What's the uh, good Gr- one? Grok. Grok. I don't think that's fully live yet. Okay. Well, when it comes live, I'm gonna be a subscriber. Yeah. So, 
can you write me a letter of cultural, cult, can't say cultural, <clears throat> write me a letter. I'm a slow typer. Bear with me. A letter of cultural appropriation. I'm on letters still, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm trying on to the get edge of my seat. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm trying. I'm doing this for you, I, because I am pilgrim, and uh, I don't need permission to use John Wayne's most famous line, "Pilgrim." <laughs> I'd keep those words out of your lips until I get this letter written. I really do think that there is a. There's quite an opportunity here for a service. Like you just type in what, what topic or what, uh, what area you would like to to get permission to appropriate, and it will find you someone. That's the service: finding you someone who will give permission to do whatever it is you wanted to do. We don't have time for this. <laughs> it's right in the letter. Oh, hey, you just peruse that, and what? maybe I can sing "Kumbaya" or something. To oh quite my. a le- the t- <laughs> It doesn't. How long is it? It's long, Ben. It's more time than we have here, but we could post this on our. Uh, maybe post this for. I'll just. I'll just quote the last. The last did they give any paragraph? Did they give you a little from Chat GPT? A little bit of uh, I think it's this is a Gavin Newsom answer. This is what this is. They wrote it, it don't so really long answer. that you lost your patience yeah. before you got to the it end. It gives us the whole significance of what pilgrim means. Well, yeah. So now it's good because you've looked into it. Chat GPT did your homework. It's you important to be mindful of the potential impact using the term pilgrim inappropriately or without proper context. I mean, they're on it. But you covered it now. We have. We have done our due diligence. Now you're allowed to say pilgrim. And in the end, it says, thank you for considering this matter, taking the time to reflect on the impact of our words. Together, we can contribute to a more inclusive and respectful world. That's how they end everyone, though. Everything I've asked them to do, they tell me about being more inclusive and stuff. Wow. We've learned so much today. Well... You're allowed to have... Uh, I wonder if they could write you a John Wayne appropriation letter so that this lady couldn't be upset about the fact that John Wayne was a man. That's really the problem. That's the problem, if you get down to it. That dadgum testosterone runs everything. Well... Real quick, let's changing get back topics. To the subjects. <laughs> Uh, the 2024 Moleg session is coming up. I'm just going to listen here, Ben. And that's short for Missouri Legislature. This is insider I just learned that. terms. You have to ask permission if you want to use that. And I can give it to you because I'm an official. Well, thank you. An elected official of the Moleg. Sounds like a dance. So... Uh, pre-filing for next session began yesterday, December the 1st. 
And what that means is uh, the legislators can begin to file bills uh, that will be on the calendar for next session. This can be, I mean, there there are hundreds. In most sessions, we'll have you know anywhere from twelve hundred to two thousand bills filed in the house, and so that pre-filing begins. And there's different reasons why people begin to pre-file. Uh, you know, a lot of it is because we have a, an entire staff of analysts who do the work of actually taking your idea and putting it down into legal language that would go into the statute book, right? And those people are lawyers that are paid to do that because you wouldn't want me writing hey, the legal language I of opted, a bill. I opted to write my own patent language, mm-hmm. and man, the, the, uh, the, thes- the thesaurus... Can't even say it, but man, I can use words. Yep. No, it came out and I I it was that, so I was I didn't have the money to pay for the writing and the um drawing, so I opted to write my own <laughs> and just give the lawyers or the uh professionals money to draw it. Cause I can't draw, but I do know how to so get you, some you gave them permission. Yeah. I anyways, I should uh I should listen more. We'll talk about that at some point. <laughs> Sounds fascinating. So they're writing it for you. So pre-filing bills, people do that sometimes to start getting media attention and start introducing an idea. Um, you don't have to pre-file a bill. You can wait until session begins, and it's open until um, like the end of February, basically, or and, middle of February. And something that I learned that I didn't know before I think it was our first episode was that if you don't get this to happen by the end of session, you've wasted your time. Yeah. You start over. You have to start over. That's why it's important to get a head start. It is. I don't know in my experience, if it really helps you to, to get anything done to pre-file a bill, because it's, it's kind of like whatever priorities that the leadership decide that they want to move are going to be the ones that they decide to move, whether you pre-file it or not. I have filed bills on the last day of... uh, Session. Not the last day of session, but the last day that you're able to file a a bill for that session, which I think sometimes is... I think it's in February. The trade deadline, so to speak. Right. The deadline for that and still been able to get that bill done. Mm. But there are different reasons, and there there are pros and cons to it. Because the the longer it's out there, the more attention it gets, the more media attention it gets. A lot of times, media is just waiting for bills that are pre-filed so they can start writing stories about it. As a constituent, I like the idea of somebody having time to be able to read that bill. But I mean, you know, well, and here's the thing: like with reading bills, I try to read bills whenever I realize that they are coming on the calendar that they actually have or a viability vote. of going somewhere okay? because otherwise you're wasting your time. You don't want to read all of them, but the media may. Because a big portion of those thousands of bills that are filed will never even see a, a committee hearing. What is the percentage that actually gets? It's very small. So last year, I'll give you an example. Last year, I think there were, I don't know, at least 
1,200, if not more, bills that were filed in the House. This is just the House bills, not the Senate. Okay. So that's like four four per, four or five per There's 163 member. oh. members in the House. So they're busy. Yeah. Every one of them. But there are some of those people that file, you know, multiple bills. Throw a noodle. I filed at the, almost 20 bills yeah, last you year. You throw a few noodles at the fridge and yeah, see what sticks. So the the process of this is what is is interesting to see play out as well um, when it comes to getting a bill and getting traction for a bill to go anywhere because it really does come down to leadership making that a priority because they can you know either refer that to a committee and, and start moving it in that process or or leave it there and never refer it to a committee. But last year, out of those bills that were filed, I think the House passed like something around 160 plus bills that were third read, passed and sent to the Senate. And then the Senate has to do the same thing over there, right? And then the governor sign it. Out of those 160 plus bills that we third read and and sent to the Senate last year, the Senate only passed seven of our House bills. Okay. So now some of that legislation can get on as amendments tacked on to other bills, not as a standalone bill. And really, if you want to be successful in Jefferson City as a legislator, you have to learn the process of making amendments and getting your language on other bills. Otherwise, it's very li- unlikely that you'll yeah. get much done at all. Well, 7 in 1,200 is pretty tough odds. Yeah, and a lot of that's due to other issues that's going on in the legislature with the Senate and uh, the just the nature of of the the difficulty of getting anything done on that side of the building. And then there are, you know, bills that are filed to be mirror bills of Senate bills because, you know, anything that passes one chamber has to pass the other. Right. And a lot of times priority bills will have a mirror bill in either the Senate or the House so that it's the exact same bill that is carried in the House by a legislator that it's, you know, being uh, taken through the process in the Senate. Some of those have some, th- there are many times bills that are filed that are almost exact. Um, and they, you know, there's no limit to that. Like 163 people could file the same bill and, you know, see which one actually makes it through that process. Wow. Um, so what you start seeing with pre-filing though is, is, some of the priorities that begin to flesh out for the next session. Yeah, what what they're what the house is trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah. So for me personally, some of the priorities that I'm working on are things you start with what you didn't get done last year if you want to continue that. And so uh parents bill of rights, that's a big issue for me that I've been working on for 3 or 4 years now. Trying to put something in statute in Missouri. We don't have a statutory parents bill of rights in Missouri. Um, there are a few federal laws that are kind of vague and ambiguous when it comes to parental rights, um, but this is something that I think we need that has come to to the surface and that people have been asking for in our state. You know, and by that I mean, especially public education. You know, what what is being taught to your child? Do you have the ability to request that? And transparency when it comes to school boards. Uh, transparency when it when it comes to classroom curriculum, you know, on down the line, just a parent's bill of rights, because there is a an alarming sentiment that that 
is becoming more prevalent in in our country in general, and that is this idea that the government knows what's best for your child, even over parents' rights. And I just firmly denounce that and think that that's not the way that it should be, that parents know what's best for their children, and they should have the tools to be able to at least have the transparency to know what is being taught to their child and have the ability to weigh in in that process. So Parents' Bill of Rights, protecting elections is another priority for me. I filed a joint resolution last year to effectively ban or prohibit ranked choice voting because this is something that the left is trying to accomplish, especially in red states where they have no foothold. They're trying to change the election process where they can get Democrats elected in red states. And they can do that with ranked choice voting. You look at some of the other states like Alaska and, and other states that have and cities that have enacted ranked choice voting, and that's the whole reason behind it. Uh, so that I'll be doing that again, protecting business from uh, the activist groups. You know, you have all these activist groups that make a ton of money with donors. The animal rights activist groups are one of the bigger ones. They make they t- they bring in millions of dollars, and very very little of that funding actually goes to rescuing animals. That's good. Um, so, one percent of your donation goes to the animals. That, that's about right. Way. No, it's it is right. I that that is actually a Google verifiable truth. Yeah, and the rest of it goes in the pockets of the people who set up those nonprofit organizations. Your money is far away from here. So I had what became known as the pet shop bill last year and this was protecting businesses that that sell puppies that sell live pets. And there is a move from these activist groups to shut them down and to enact laws through the uh, cities and trying to say that you know it's unlawful to operate a business that sells pets, live pets, because they don't like it and because they make a ton of money with uh, their marketing when it comes to, especially with puppies. So that's another bill that I'll be working on this year um, in protecting those businesses because it's not right. Like just because a activist group comes in and says, we don't like what this business does, we think the city should shut that down and prohibit that. Well, where does that end when it comes to business? Yeah. It's it's already cre- I I have a English bulldog, uh, Chubbly, and uh, it's they have become illegal to own in a lot of a lot of countries. They're just an incredible dog. Just you know something I've wanted my whole life and. We've yeah, had, so breed specific. A, yeah, very breed specific, but it's it's really like when they start telling you, it that's where it ends up. It I believe it's uh, Norway. There's a couple countries in Europe that have outlawed them already, and it's on legislation to outlaw the breed entirely. And uh, we have you know, and and it's not that there's not abuse that in that you know in puppy mills and stuff. It's that um, it's. Once you start that ball rolling, eventually they're going to tell you what kind of dog. I mean, they don't want you to own any pets. Right. 
they they'll start to tell you what kind of dog you can own and then eventually you know well there's so much misinformation that is spread by this and you know like the term puppy mill is used yeah. a lot which i have asked for people to define that and they can't define it right because this industry is heavily regulated by state law and federal yeah. law by the way and they try to make this connection that again it's the it, the emotional argument it's the emotional side of things saying, you know, this is terrible the way they treat pets or whatever. Yeah. Well, are there people who do that? Yes. Unfortunately, there are. Absolutely. And stopping that, shutting that down is another, it's another it's subject. fight. Yeah. This is something that we're saying businesses that do things right by the law shouldn't be shut down just because you don't like it. Or really the actual truth about it is that they make a ton of money opposing that right and you look at states that have there are even some states that have completely banned the sale of live pets like california for instance really what has happened is the market doesn't go away as you can yeah. imagine you right your kids drive, want a puppy you have to drive to nevada or arizona to get well it's all black market now oh okay and yeah. it's done through the shelters because they made it to where you have to buy through a shelter you can't buy from a, a commercial pet shop <laughs> Well, what are the shelters doing? They're breeding. They're, they're bringing puppies in from other states, flying them in yeah. from puppy mills, probably, and selling them through the shelters to be a sheltered dog. Yeah, but you're you're paying a. It's funny because everybody that makes sense why everyone in California has a adopted shelter pet, mm -hmm. which also Sound, does it's, boost it's, your social credit score it so does. super convenient that i right. mean it's all working into hand in hand here you just wear that badge yeah and it, it, it my my dog was bought from a breeder and but it's very healthy and that's the there's there's a ton of them that are overbred and that is problematic but you know you i just don't want the government telling me it that i cannot own a dog, a mm -hmm. much less what breed I get to, you know. Right. I don't. I've got a very unique. It's a unique dog. You don't. You don't get it without a hundred years of breeding, and uh, so that's another issue. Um, that's a good one. Protecting our constitutional Fourth Amendment rights from warrantless search and seizure is another issue I've been working on. When I came to the knowledge of what is happening with this in law enforcement. And I'm a, hu I'm a huge supporter of law enforcement. You know that. Everybody yeah. who knows me knows that. But I, th I see a problem that is, that is be becoming an issue where, because there's no law regarding this. And it's, the, it's called a um, reverse keyword search, and they also have geofencing searches. And that's basically where if you were in the proximity of an area where a crime was committed and they can throw a geofence area of, let's say, a block or two blocks or three blocks, it's, it's really up to, to law enforcement to do that. Then they can request for the phone records of anyone who was in that area, that geofence area, during that time, and they can set that time. You know, the crime was committed at 1 o'clock. They can say between 10 o'clock and 6 o'clock, then we want any of the people's phone records that were in that area so that they can begin going through those. And that person could become the subject... Target of an investigation. Of an yeah. investigation and not even know it. Mm. And there are lawsuits that are happening with this around the country right now in, in other states. 
So this is something that was brought to my attention and I've been working on, but it's difficult because law enforcement is opposing it because they're saying, look, we're using this tool. We're catching bad guys with this. And I'm like, well, that's great. However, what about the constitutional right that our citizens have to not have a warrantless search, which is forbidden by the Constitution and our state constitution as well? Um, And this is what happened with January 6th, by the way. Geofencing and keyword searches is what they used to catch a lot of people that were typing things into their computer about the rally and about the speech and and about the Capitol building and and those type of things that they used. And and I will say, if this is an effective way to catch people, something that might be an option is a uh, text-served warrant. (laughs) Could you imagine? Be like, hey, we're about to check your Googling. <laughs> like, It's crazy, and I, it's scary. I'm just saying like, that's probably a, something that's coming down the pike in 10 Yeah, years. because a lot of this is left to the discretion of big tech. Because yeah. when they call and say, I want this person's phone records, they have the tech company has the authority to say, no, that's beyond the scope of what right. we're allowed in our policy. But they can also say, sure, here it is. Yeah, they're like, well, we're not going to let you check on the... Uh, the pedophiles in the area, but the gun owners, they are problematic. There's so many ways that it could be abused. So that's something I've been working on. It's difficult trying to thread the needle with that, but I think it's important. Protecting kids from what we talked about earlier, men appropriating as women, dancing provocatively in front of children with with the drag queen issue happening in public spaces. This is something I've been working on for several years as well and trying to say, look, we already have an adult cabaret law that says you know, that children aren't allowed in strip joints and that same principle should be applied when it comes to other public spaces, I think is a no brainer. Um, but again, the, you cannot imagine the opposition that you face from the LGBTQ community and people that come to these hearings and oppose that. And it's just, it's scary. The squeakiest, the squeakiest of the wills in our, uh, you know, in our community, something that happened last year. And I'm, not I hope I don't know where I jumped in there on your list, but the uh is it legal for me to own the short barreled well, it's a pistol mm-hmm. that was lost in the tragic boating accident last summer. Would it be legal for me to have one of those now? You can have a in the state of Missouri. You can have like an AR pistol, but you cannot have a brace on it because of the the newest rendition of their interpretation of the law under the Biden administration. Federally. ATF. Yep. But in Missouri? So in Missouri, the problem is we are still tied to the federal definition of some of those firearms. Well, I'm glad I lost that gun. Yep. So uh, now that's the process of that, though, is still under review there have been recently a judge that threw it out and said, no, the ATF doesn't have the authority to make that decision, which is what we're hoping for, that that will stand and be the final ruling, but there's no um, conclusion on that yet. Well, I'm ready to go magnet fishing whenever yep. necessary. But you can have one without the pistol brace, okay. which is just crazy. Like the pistol brace makes it more stable, more safe. So it's just totally arbitrary what the ATF. So you just have a, some of those an open tube. That's yep. You can have the tube, just not the the. That's uh, correct. Sig braced. Yep. Okay. 
I may have to get my magnet out. Yep. So, and then last of all, on kind of my list of priorities is education reform. I filed an open enrollment bill last year, and that's just simply saying that uh, you should be able to enroll your child in any school district in the state if you so choose. I mean, that feels like it should go back to segregation times, like where, you know, I thought that was handled back then. Should have been, but the the education establishment, um, it's all about money, mm-hmm. and they think that, you know, if you have an open enrollment bill that they're going to lose enrollment to some other district. And, you know, my argument is always, well, if you're doing the right things and you offer a good uh, quality education, then people are going to send their kids to your district. So I, I think agree. it encourages competition, which I think is what we should see. Mm. So the outlook, though, on the 2024 session is pretty dim. I, I give it a, a one on the scale of the potential of, of really getting anything accomplished. And here's why. There are a couple reasons. The Senate is broken, for the lack of a better term, right now, and fractured. Several are running for higher office that are senators, running for uh, statewide offices. And many times they will use their time in the Senate this next session to get attention for their statewide race rather than for actually governing for the people. That's one reason. The House is in a precarious position, and really there has been almost a complete turnover in leadership staff recently, especially in the Speaker's office. Um, That puts us at a further disadvantage with the Senate because, you know, when you have, like, for instance, I have spent a lot of time building relationships with those staff members in leadership um, because, It's a major advantage to you to do that. And when that completely turns over and you have, you know, almost all new people in the leadership staff positions, it makes it difficult because you're it's like starting over again. Uh, There have been some scandals recently that have caused division, further splintered the caucus as well in the House and the divide within our party because of the I believe because of the supermajority. You know, there are people who end up getting elected that we have uh, helped fund their their races around the state, and they they get elected in areas that probably a Republican typically wouldn't get elected in those areas. But sometimes they end up voting more like a Democrat rather than a Republican. So that's caused a divide in our caucus because you have then kind of the conservative side of the caucus and the and the more moderate side of the caucus and that causes a divide it's also an election year and several in the house are running for senate as well so that brings out you know a whole new dynamic when it comes to people you know using their time to get attention for a senate race rather than doing what they should be doing in the house a lot of posturing and you know they have nothing to lose because many times they're terming out or whatever, and they've already right. decided that they're going to run, and they're trying to get free media attention for that election. It's also a lame duck governor term that is terming out. So all of that figures into a pretty dim outlook when it comes to getting anything accomplished and across the finish line next session. Maybe we can get a new strain of COVID, and you can work remotely and. Save your time. Please don't. 
McKinney. I'm sorry. I, f- I forget. I forget. Well, I mean, with what's happening right now in China, I think they could be trying it again. China. I, I, don't, I don't think... I don't think people are going to go for it, but it's it's going to be a hard try. sell. It's going to be a hard sell, Ben. It's the new uh, election year icon. <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of a wrap when it comes to the 2024 Moleg session. Anything else? We have uh, we've run long today, Tim. If we have any listeners left, we should probably. Uh promote our social media ask for reviews yes. so and give our <clears throat> before we end the the show today <laughs> for YouTube don't forget to go over to Apple Podcasts leave us a review five star review Spotify leave us a five star review that helps us in promoting the podcast and uh, if you have any ideas or, that you would like to to discuss, like for us to discuss or to talk about, uh, send us an email at the man cave caucus at gmail.com. And I think with that, Tim, we better call it an oh holy night. Is there uh, anything left to. Uh, oh. It's been a divine night and. believe we should end soon what did he say right there you know it was a night define I believe okay Merry Christmas oh I'm so in the mood all right everybody we're out for this week God bless (laughs) 